Boker Tov, good morning. Welcome to the Aliyah Day. So glad that you're able to join me from across the fruited plain. This is the uh, YouTube Live Aliyah Day in which we go through the parasha Aliyot by Aliyot. And we are joined by hundreds of people across the United States and across the world who are pursuing a uh, Lapid Judaism, the Lapid Judaism, an, an authentic uh, Torah true walk with Messiah Yeshua at its center, at its focus. And so we're so glad that you're with me and all of the hundreds of people that uh, that watch and, and join. We're so glad that you're here. It is a good day. It is a great day. The sun is shining. Hashem has restored our soul within us this morning, given us another opportunity to serve Him, to be with Him, to uh, <clears throat> walk with Him. I also want to say a a big mazal tov to, uh, to uh, Vanessa and Albert, who have just had a little baby boy, and uh, I say just, it happened a few days ago, and, and I've just uh, I've been remiss in uh, making a public mazalto to them. They'll be here uh, this coming Yom Rishon, actually they'll be here, I guess, for the uh, Shabbat service in-house, which is always awesome to have them and their family, and we get to see the little guy, and then uh, we'll have a bris, a bris milah, right here on uh, Yom Rishon, it's going to be amazing. To have a bris, another bris. We've had so many, and it's so wonderful and uh, awesome uh, as that is. Baruch Hashem. So again, it's going to be a, a good, uh, a good week, a good day, a good, a good Shabbos. We are in the fourth Aliyah, Aliyah Quattro, for all of our Sephardic friends who watch, and we are in this discussion. Uh, talking about the death of Miriam. This is chapter 20, by the way, of the Book of Numbers, Book of Bami Bar. We are in the Art School Humash, Pagina 845. Sorry, I just went uh, totally gringo there for my lingo. Gringo for my lingo. 845 for the Ashkenazi Jews. That is 845 in the... Uh, Art scroll humash. Anyway, we're talking about the death of uh, of Miriam and the hitting of the rock. And today's aliyah has to do with trying to go or, or, or make a path, I should say, to get into the promised land and going through the territory of Edom. And so we're going to discuss this. We're going to touch back on some things that we didn't get a chance to uh, to share from the last day or two about this and, and just kind of learn some life lessons. The Aliyah, the Aliyah, in terms of the reading, is relatively short. So we have on uh, page 845, beginning in verse uh, 14, actually, I'm sorry, the Aliyah actually begins on page 847. In the Hebrew, in the Hebrew, it's on 844, but if we have the English, it starts in verse 14. Moshe sent emissaries from Kadesh to the king of Edom. So said your brother Israel, You know all the hardship that has befallen us. Our forefathers descended to Egypt, and we dwelled in Egypt many years. And the Egyptians did evil to us and to our forefathers. For he cried out to Adonai, and he heard our voice. He sent an emissary and took us out of Egypt. And now behold, we are in Kadesh, a city at the edge of your border, 
Let us pass through your land, and we shall not pass through a field or a vineyard. And we shall not drink well water, or the king's road uh, shall we travel. We shall not veer right or left until we pass through your border. Verse 18, And Edom said to him, You shall not pass through me, lest I come against you with the sword. The children of Israel said to him, we shall go up on the highway, and if we drink your water or my flock, I shall pay the price. He's talking about even if we drink from your river, we'll pay the price for the river. We'll pay for the water. Who pays for water? Nobody pays for water. When you go to a, uh, a restaurant or something, typically there's no charge for water. But Moses is saying, listen, I'll even pay for water. You can bill me for the water, and I'll tip you too. Verse 21, or Sleeka, uh, Verse 20, he said, you shall not pass through. Uh, I'm sorry, let me go back. I, I, I missed a phrase to the end of uh, verse 19. It says, only nothing will pass, or not, nothing will happen, rather. Let me pass through on foot. Verse 20, he said, you shall not pass through. Then Edom went out against him with a massive throng and a strong hand. So Edom refused to permit Israel to pass through his border and Israel turned away from near him. So much to be said about all of this. And as I, as I mentioned early on, we're going to touch back and look at the whole issue of the will and, and what have you. But let me just give, as I said, uh, I believe a little bit yesterday, kudos to Moshe. You know, Moshe was quite a man. Uh, that seemingly goes without saying. But I want you to put it in perspective that here you have Moshe, Moshe, who did not ask for this job. He did not grow up uh, all of his life preparing to be a redeemer. He did not go to the University of Cairo and study redemption as his uh, major and uh, Hebrew as his, uh, as his minor. He did not seek this role. He didn't want, want this to happen. And even when he was offered the job by Hashem, he said, choose somebody else. And so he goes here and he spends his entire life suffering and giving and, and doing everything he can to help these people. And time after time after time, he's met with baseless hatred and false accusations and all kind of nonsense. Every time he wakes up, every morning, he has a Twitter feed and people are saying negative things. They're blasting him on Facebook. He's getting nasty gram emails. Every time you turn around, somebody's texting him with a complaint and here you have Moses, and what does he do? He just keeps on keeping on. It's amazing. Then his sister dies, and the one time his sister dies, and people are still blasting him. They do a Facebook Live, and they're saying all the nasty things that they can say about him. And finally, Moshe has enough. He says, you know, it's one thing to blast me. It's one thing to say nasty things about me. I've been doing this for 40 years. 40 years, by the way, 40 years he's been doing this, 40 years. It's one thing to say nasty things about me, but now my sister, who I love, who I owe my entire life to, she's the one that put me through University of Cairo. Now I'm going to get mad because you're not even mourning her. And the one time he gets mad, now he's barred from the Holy Land. But he still doesn't stop. In fact, he sends emissaries, as it were, to try to negotiate passage through 
the territory of Edom. And there is a statement here in the Midrash. Let me see if I can find it. I've got it marked here. Uh, yes, this is from Midrash Rabbah. Chukat, or Chukas, if you're Ashkenazi. 1915. This is what scripture refers to when it states, He has no slander on his tongue. He has done his fellow no evil, nor carried disgrace on account of his close ones. Psalm 15.3. And so it says, According to accepted practice in the world, if a person engages in business with his fellow, and the latter offends him, he takes leave of his fellow and does not wish to see him. That's normally what happens. Normally what happens, you're going to you're doing business with somebody, they don't give you a good customer service, or they're a bad customer, or whatever, they chew you out. You decide I'm not gonna do business with this person anymore. I'm going to be I'm gonna wash my hands of them, you walk away. Not Moses. So it says, Umoshe af aki afi. But in the case of Moshe, even though he was punished on account of the people of Israel, as it is stated, they provoked at the waters of strife, and Moshe suffered because of them. He did not remove their burden from him. Excuse me. He did not remove their burden from upon him, but on the contrary, as the verse states, he sent emissaries on their behalf. So even in the midst of this constant barrage of evil and wickedness, Moses still works on behalf of the people. He's a, it's a remarkable character trait. Moses is the embodiment to a, to a very real degree of one of my favorite sayings, which is, and I, I just shared this with someone yesterday, one of my favorite sayings, and you can have it if you want it, which is, the people who say it cannot be done are often interrupted by those who are doing it. In the midst of all of this complaining, Moses just kept going. And then he sends emissaries to Adam, and Adam, who's Esau, doesn't want them to enter the territory. And uh, even sends out an army against him. It's complete baseless hatred. I would say it's baseless hatred, but actually there is a basis for it, although it's not a godly basis. We're going to learn in a moment what the basis is in just two seconds. But, but first, let me just say it's baseless hatred. He's even saying, listen, you let me pass through the land. We're not going to leave the main highway. We're not going to leave I-35. We're going to go straight through. We won't stop in uh, Oklahoma City. We won't, we won't veer off the highway in Kansas. We're going to go all the way to Canada. Besides, it's summertime, and it's better weather there today anyway. And if we happen to drink water, even out of a river, the Midrash says, they're talking about even out of a river, we drink out of a river, we'll pay you for the water we drink out of the river. And instead, Edom says, no way, Jose. They were Sephardic. They said, no way, we cannot let you through. Well, Rabbi Monk has a wonderful statement here that explains the, ba the basis of their baseless hatred. And this is it. And this is, my friends, so instructive for all of us in our lives. Because this is the reason, by the way, what I'm about to read to you is the reason for the, ba is the it, this is the basis for the baseless hatred that, that, they, that the uh, 
leaders had against Messiah Yeshua. It says, in fact, when the Jews crossed the Red Sea, the leaders of Edom were tormented. I love the phraseology here of uh, Rabbi Monk. They were tormented by Israel's glory and general acclaim. This is Rashi's comments to Exodus 15.15. What was bothering Edom, the reason they did not want to open up their borders, they did not want to allow... Uh, Moshe and the Israelites uh, to come. Sounds like a band, doesn't it? Moshe and the Israelites. But anyway, the reason they didn't want them to come is because they were tormented by their glory and by their acclaim. It's jealousy, my friends. That's really what it was. And this is what they said about Messiah Yeshua. They were mad because his Twitter feed had millions of followers. They said he's coming into Jerusalem. Look, he said the whole world is going after him. If we don't shut this down, if we don't stop it, if we don't have an all-out full-court press, then everybody's going to like his page. And then they'll stop listening to us. And look, we only have two followers. And so that's the whole point of baseless hatred. (laughs) Right? I mean, think about it. Of course it is. That's what's going on here. Baseless hatred. It says, Moshe offered an alternative proposal to Edom. He says, originally, he had asked for permission to, diver- to traverse the land, implying that they would go even through, uh, uh, not, not go through population centers. And he suggested that they would go out of their way off the, off the, by, the byways. They'd take uh, 635 around the city. And that they would pay for the water. And in, I, I love uh, this other statement from the art scroll to verse 17. It points out, in fact, the citation here is from uh, um, Rashi to Midrash Tankuma that says that the Torah teaches us a lesson in courtesy. When someone is a guest in a hotel or in a foreign place, then he should buy food in that place and so on to help the livelihood of the owner. Presuming, of course, it's kosher food. And it says, Moses said that even the Jews had their own water supply from the miraculous well, which is why the Torah uses the singular. They would, even though this was true, they would purchase water from the Edomites instead of using their own water. Remember, we said yesterday they had the, um, they had the miraculous well that followed them around the wilderness, which is a wonderful insight. And and quite honestly, I hadn't even thought of that before when I had read this passage in years past. But here you have Moshe saying, listen, we'll pay for the water. And it never occurred to me until I just happened to read this insight that why would you do that when you have a well of water following you? There's no need for them to drink water from their rivers or their wells. But but this is just a lesson in generosity. That it, listen, even though we have our own water, and by the way, it's the very best water you can have. Can you imagine the water that comes from the well of Mashiach? But even though we'll drink your not-so-good water, just because we're trying to be nice. But they're hated still. Why does, does Edom hate uh, Israel? Jealousy, jealousy. Jealousy, jealousy, jealousy. Um, before I put this away and switch to another commentary, I want to mention this statement in the art school. It says, he sent an emissary. The word emissary there is malach. Literally means an angel. 
um, according to Ibn Ezra, Moses meant literally that an angel had accompanied the Jews from Egypt. I suggest to you, as do other commentaries and so on, that that angel, quote-unquote, is none other, none other than uh, Memtet. So I also mentioned an insight yesterday, and I actually brought the Midrash with me so I could just read, read it to you. Because I mentioned the source, but I didn't have the source with me. So I brought it from the library, El Libreo. Here it is, from uh, Midrash Rabbah Shemot 314. Talking about when Moses um, was in front of the, the uh, burning bush. It says, Then you shall take the water of the river, and it will become blood. God hinted to him that because of something he will one day do to Israel, one day say to Israel, water will one day be converted to blood. And he will be punished through this water. Now Moses would one day speak slanderous of Israel, for thus it is written, Listen now, O rebels. Numbers 20 and verse 10. So I've already said, that Moshe, according to, I think, I think I can speak for all of us, that every single one of us would completely understand somebody like Moses getting angry, finally. Everything I've said before, all of the hatred, all of the constant barrage of insults and lies, um, he never addresses one of them. He doesn't ever really stand up and go through. Can you imagine? You know, we, we read in the Torah, by the way, about Korach's rebellion. We just read about it last week. But what we have is a general overview of Korach's rebellion. And uh, also to include in that um, uh, the, the um, Dathan and Abiram from, from the tribe of Reuben. But the commentaries bring down that there was, they were hurling insults at Moses and Aaron every single day. So we don't even get to see or get to read what they were saying, but every single day they're hurling insults, lies, accusations, and we never hear Moses or Aaron responding to any of them. And then his sister dies, and, and he gets mad. And I think any one of us could say, hey, Moses, completely understand, completely get it. But here's the problem. Fair, unfair, like it, don't like it. Somebody in Moses' position is not allowed to get angry. Not allowed to respond. Not allowed to get down in the gutter. And my friends, I think that this is a lesson that we can all learn in leadership. Um, we want to get down in the, in the dirt. We want to respond. We want to get angry. And we have to say the, the, the words of wisdom from the Incredible Hulk. Don't get angry. Because <laughs> we can't turn into green monsters out there. And it's not easy. It's extremely difficult but just remember Moses. So anyway, he slanders Israel. He calls them rebels. God didn't want him. God chose him to be one who blesses, not curses. Says he then hit the rock and it first brought forth blood. As it says, true, he struck a rock 
and water flowed. And the word for flowed is Ve'yazuvu, Psalm 28, excuse me, 78.20. And the word flowed is none other than a reference to blood, as it says, uh, if a woman's blood flows, Yazuv, from Leviticus 15.25. So it's the same word for flow there is the same word used when a woman is nida. It says, and it is for this reason that he struck the rock twice, for initially it brought forth blood, okay, and only in the end did it bring forth water. So in the first two signs, you find that the staff of Moses' hand, it says, reverted back to the way it was originally, but in the sign of blood, the blood did not revert back to the way it was originally. Why is this so? Because God did not wish to pardon Moses for the sin of the water. And what did this sin symbolize for Israel? Moses told the people, it is with this sign that the Egyptians will be smitten first. So blood came first forth out of the rock. Now, we uh, many of us know that it was when uh, Mashiach was pierced with the spear. Um, blood flowed out and water flowed out. Why? Because he is the rock. And in fact, there is a statement in Rabbi Monk's uh, commentary. Let me just write it. Uh, read it here. It says, "Vedebartem el hasela leenechem, leenechem, and speak to the rock before their eyes." Targum Yonasan interprets this to mean, "Apply my great name to the rock," which implies a symbolic, spiritual link to be established between the name of Adonai and the rock. It was this link which gave the rock the potential to produce a miraculous outpouring of water. Indeed, of this same rock, Adonai had said 40 years before, Behold, I shall stand before you by the rock. Exodus 17, verse 6. So the reason that he wanted Moses to speak to the rock was that he wanted to apply God's holy name, the Yudke Vavke, to that rock. And instead of speaking to it, he struck it, which is exactly what we did to Mashiach when he was here. Instead of speaking to Mashiach, instead of proclaiming him, instead of saying, Baruch Habab Hashem Adonai, instead of doing that, we struck him. Because we were jealous in our souls that the name of Yudke Vavke was on him and in him. This is all, my friends, what's being alluded to here uh, in this uh, story. Remember how Yeshua said that he stood up in the, in the temple near the Mizbeach. He did this during the water drawing ceremony during the festival of Sukkot. And he said that I am the well of living water, right? And anyone who comes to me out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Remember him saying that? Well, in the Midrash Rabbah, uh, Hukat 19.9, it says, Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock with his staff twice. Abundant water came forth, and the assembly and their animals drank. It says he struck it once, whereupon the rock began to drip out a small amount of water. As it states, true, he struck a rock and water flowed, Psalm 78.20. Again, we just read that a second ago. The word flowed there is an allusion to blood. 
And so it says the, it just dripped out. Then Moses said, the people rather said to Moses, son of Amron, why these are sufficient waters for nursing infants or weaned babies? In other words, can we drink this little bitty flow, this little bitty uh, spurt? Immediately, Moses took offense again against them and struck the rock a second time. So one of the problems is, of course, it kind of uh, goes without saying here, but he struck the rock in anger. Nevertheless, he struck it. Whereupon abundant water came forth and swept away all those who had grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Sometimes, my friends, we get what we ask for, but it's, it's not what we want. It's certainly not what we need. They wanted the water, and the, and the waters, the living water, swept them away. For some people, the living water is a is a blessing, and for others, it's a curse. It depends on where your heart is. So it says, as it is stated subsequently in the Psalm verse, and streams flowed forth, and even so, Moses performed this act only through the rock that the Holy One, blessed be He, had told him to use. In other words, um. The people, remember yesterday, the people said, we want you to bring water from this rock. They were trying to choose their own Mashiach. They were trying to make the Mashiach who they wanted. They, they want a Mashiach who's just a man. They want a, a Mashiach um, to be somebody they wanted to be from their sect, from their belief system, who looked like them and talked like them. They want that rock over there. It's a prettier rock. It's a better rock. That other rock that God chose, uh, it has no beauty that we should admire it. it. It doesn't have any glory that we should esteem it. We like that rock over there. It's polished. Look at it. It's beautiful. Make that one the one that's the well. But instead, Moses said, can I, can I bring water from the rock? Which was one of his problems. The commentators mentioned he shouldn't have said that because it, is, it makes the people think that he's the source. Nevertheless, he struck the rock that God had chosen. It was not somebody else's rock. You can strike somebody else's rock a thousand times and nothing's going to happen to it. But when you strike or when you speak to or when you bring water out of the rock, that's when the blessing flows. But listen, listen. it says, From where do we know that even the rock that the people of Israel told them to use, and moreover, and each and every rock and pebble that was in that vicinity gave forth water, for it is said... It says he split rocks, plural, in the wilderness and provided drink like the abundant depths. So just when I read this, I was thinking about what the Mashiach said, that he's the source of living water, but whoever comes to him out of their bellies will flow rivers of living water. That when Moses actually struck this rock and the, and the water burst forth from the rock, not only did it do that, but all the rocks in the vicinity burst forth with living water. So my friends, we learn a lesson here that when we come before the rock and we have the right spirit and the right heart and we accept the rock for what it is, what who he is, then out of our little, little pebble rocks can come forth living water. I have to believe that this is what Mashiach was alluding to. It was this, this story that Mashiach was alluding to when he was saying that uh, if, you, if you come to me, whoever's thirsty, that uh, out of you will come living water. 
The Midrash Rabbah brings down in Midrash Rabbah Hukat 1914 that there was a divine purpose for all of this. In other words, even though um, even though uh, Moses messed up, and somebody asked about righteous anger. Yeah, there's such thing as righteous anger, but here we're talking about being angry with God's people. You can't you can't beat the sheep. Can't be angry with the sheep. Moses, the great shepherd, was having to learn a valuable lesson that that he has to endure. And what did we learn? Even Mashiach. Look what Mashiach endured. We talk about Moses. We talk about Moses and all the hatred, all the basis hatred, all the negative comments he had to endure, all the accusations, all the lies. No one was lied upon or lied against or lied about more than Messiah Yeshua. But he never abandoned the flock. He never cursed the flock. He got angry. Sure, there's righteous anger, but it wasn't against the flock. That's the key difference, I think. So anyway, it says here that all of this was actually in for a blessing. Because it says, at the, at the time of the revification of the dead, you will arrive together with them in the land. This is all the discussion about the, the people who died in the wilderness. It says that the people of that generation, those who had died in the wilderness, wilderness would not have merited revification from the dead in their own right. But since Moses was buried alongside them, they will be revived in his merit and come to the land of Israel with him at their head. Now, this is just a picture, a type, if you will, of the Mashiach. Moses had to be buried, according to the, the Midrash, Moses had to be buried in the wilderness in order to effect the revival of the dead, the uh, resurrection of the dead for the sinners who had died in the wilderness which teaches us a very important lesson, that the the Zadok, the Redeemer, will be the one who brings about the the uh, resurrection of the dead. In in this case, however, it is actually Yeshua who says that. Now, one final thing as we conclude today, because we're really just, just, just out of time, but let me just say this one thing. Again, quoting from the Midrash Rabbah 1915, it says, You know all the hardship that has befallen us, It says, they said to the king of Edom, you know that when the Holy One blessed be, he said to Abraham, know with certainty that your offspring will be aliens in a land not their own, and they will serve them, and they will oppress them. 400 years, Genesis 15, 13, God's decree was fulfilled through us, and we were enslaved, whereas you, who are also descendants of Abraham, remain free. And that only our forefathers descended to Egypt to suffer that oppression. This can be compared to two brothers upon whom's ancestor a note of indebtedness was produced. It says one of the brothers paid the debt. After some days, he began to ask favor from his brother. And he says, you, 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 he said to him, you know that the debt was incumbent upon both of us to pay, but it was I alone who paid it. Therefore, do not turn me away from obtaining favor that I ask from you. My friends, that is a picture that says that Israel paid the debt for Edom for Esau. Edom, Esau represents the nations, represents the Goyim, represents in Jewish thought Christians, which again in Jewish thought is the nations. Saying here that Israel paid that debt even though both brothers owed the debt. And of course the Mashiach is the embodiment of Israel. 
end of our Aliyah today. I'm so glad that you're able to join me. I'm so glad I was able to be with you. I pray that you have a wonderful, amazing day. Now, listen, one more thing before I let you go. I want to know if there's anybody out there listening to me who is in the Mobile, Mobile, Alabama area, Mobile, Alabama, Pensacola, Ocean Springs, Mississippi. We heard from some Lapidics that are in that area that are interested in getting together. So if you are in the Mobile, Mobile Alabama area or surrounding communities, and, and I'm not from there, so forgive me, I'm not exactly sure you know, everything, uh, who, who would be close by. But I would love to be able to have a Lapid house develop in that area. So if you are in that area, please go to uh, either mylapid.com or mysarshlom.com or our Facebook pages of either one of those and send us a message and let us know and we'll get everybody together and see what happens. I think Hashim is doing something in uh, southern Alabama, southern Mississippi and uh, eastern Florida. May it be so. Shalom, blessings, have a great day. Look forward to seeing everybody uh, tomorrow for the fifth Aliyah. Shalom, shalom, have a great day.